Hey, this is Matt from the Death Watch podcast. You're listening to Fully and Completely on the Modern Superior Network. Hi there, this is Greg Legro. And this is Jamie Dew. Of Fully and Completely. Um, You're listening to... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fully and Completely. We will be going through every Tragically Hip studio album in chronological order on this show, as well as examining some of the social and musical climates of the uh, time and date of each album here in Canada, North America, everywhere. The world. The world. My name is Greg Legro. And I'm Jamie Dew. And we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, we are. <laughs> How are you, buddy? <laughs> to borrow a cliche. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually really great right now. Oh, good. Listening to this record a lot. Yeah. And uh, it's a fucking good record. It's a really good record. I cleaned my basement listening to it today. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just well, great. Yeah. What was going on in the world <laughs> at this point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it is uh, released February 19th, 1991. Ooh, a Valentine's Day yeah, record. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a cold release, you know, for yeah. a really sweaty album. Um, 91, pretty big year. There's a lot going on. A uh, huge cultural tidal wave of change happens in 1991. Um, with music, with pop culture, film, everything shifts. This is the big moment. This is alternative. This music. is alternative. Yes. This goes down. It's Kurt Cobain and Quentin Tarantino. Everything happens. Well, I didn't even think about that from the film perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah it's absolutely. enormous. It's the rise of the indie. Yeah, the yeah. shift to everywhere else. Like, everybody's just sick of it. We're all just sick of it, 80s. <laughs> <laughs> you, you corporate whores. Oh, yeah, yeah. Enough. So, uh, I mean, the album list of what came out in 1991 is staggering. Right. As far as sales, uh, unbelievable. Ne- obviously, Nirvana, never mind. You got Pearl Jam 10. You have Metallica, the Black Album. You've got Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. So the, the, the mean, old guard is still sort of holding on. They're hang- or peaking, right? Or, or peaking, yeah. You know, Metallica getting like, through to the mainstream finally. Yeah. Uh, Guns N' Roses going, wow. Well. <laughs> listen, I'm not a fan. Man, I bought those. <laughs> I bought the shit out of those They records. are crazy. Yeah. Crazy, um, crazy records. I can't believe 28 songs where there should have been 13. Right. You know? but, but hey, oh boy. whatever. Anyway. But uh, uh, U2, Octung Baby, you know, uh, it just like albums that are so big for not just for sales, but then you have ones that are culturally significant or, uh, you know, for audiophiles, massively significant, like My Bloody Valentine, Loveless happens uh-huh. this year. You know, this, that's a, you know, Desert Island album that for me. And, absolutely just, and nothing yeah. sounded like that ever no. before that. It was an enormous bit of change. So the, the underground is taking over. We're pushing everyone out of the way. We're done with the hair metal. Uh, you know, CNC Music Factory needs to quit it. Is the first Radiohead record 91? Oh, or is it 92? I believe it's 92. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they were probably jamming somewhere. They were sure getting ready. <laughs> That's right. You know? <laughs> um, and it's, I would imagine if there was a list, uh, some such list somewhere, um, the sales for re- uh, records in 1991 has to be a banner year, I feel like. Yeah, I would. Mm. You know, I mean, more than more than most years. I would think so, uh, just based on based on what you've just listed. Yeah, Let these grab, are these I'm are all gonna, multi-platinum. Right, I'm going to grab a little quick list here of albums that we've all owned at some point or another. I would imagine Absolutely. all in 1991. Never mind by Nirvana, Octane Baby, U2, Out of Time, REM, Loveless, oh, My Bloody Valentine, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, Chili Peppers, right. Low in Theory, Tribe Called Quest, 
the both of those use your illusions pearl jam soundgarden bad motor finger de la soul is dead death certificate from ice cube public enemy in 1991 the enemy stripes black uh gish by smashing pumpkins holy farts this is huge for waking up the neighbors by brian adams gigantic album huge yes. good yeah. who knows no uh no. sold you betcha right <laughs> Dangerous Michael Jackson, and then a, a huge juggernaut no one could have ever seen coming. Rope in the Wind, Garth Brooks. Holy that is one of the most successful albums of all time. A few all of time, these yeah. are some of the most successful albums of all time. What else is really big here? Uh, Morrissey's Kill Uncle, Paul Abdul, Spellbound, and then but yeah, the underground things are banging. Like uh, Swans is uh, has a seminal album here. Dinosaur Junior. Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Mud Honey, big records from them. You know, this is a, like this is a, the that everything just shaping up to be a everyone's going to get obsessed with albums again. You know, these are genre defining. Absolutely, right? like I mean, Primus, Sailing the Seas, of, uh, Sailing the Seas with Cheese, just huge shit. Yeah. Anyway, Spiderland by Slint. Damn, what a fucking crazy year. And of course, uh, Metallica the Black Album. Oh, and uh, Screamy Delica by Primal Scream. That's a fucking big record. Like this is just. I mean, this isn't really digging deep. This is like about twenty albums, and there's another twenty or thirty more that are, that are like, yeah, I own that. I own that. I own that. And everyone bought them. This is you know, CDs are all sixteen, seventeen, ninety nine. Yep. Just crushing. It's got to be a banner year. And I think I, I might be wrong about this, but I think this was one of the first years that SoundScan came into existence. So it, it's almost like. They stopped guessing. Right. It used to be, the way it used to work is um, Nielsen or whoever it is who compiles all that stuff, yeah. they would literally call record stores and say, what did you sell? You know? Right, and right. If, I, if the owner answers the phone, maybe he's got a spreadsheet or something. I don't know. Yeah. But if it's me, the employee working, you know, like I'm going to probably pimp what I love. Totally. You know? Oh, my God. My Bloody Valentine was like off the shelf this week. We yeah, sold yeah. everything we had. Um, at this point, they actually started collecting data. Yeah. And they could stay. Um, Rope in the Wind is, yeah. is you know, it, it sold a million, <laughs> yeah, a million <laughs> records yeah. to all his friends in low places. So there's a lot happening musically. Uh, so to 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 get your to get your head above water, to get noticed, and to gain some running ground at this time, I mean, it's a crowded race, and, and I mean, this is thankfully a time period where people are picking up records a lot uh but to to stand out is really difficult and it's pretty amazing that this canadian band which also is extremely different from most canadian band sounds at this time because the, the, the canadian vibe is brian adams it is you know it's bruce coburn nothing nothing against anyone but very um very produced very produced uh you know uh, i think Brian Adams at that point was working with Bob Rock, probably. Sure. And Brian Adams is an international superstar at this yep. point. So, no, you know, maybe no. he's not the, exactly the, the exam. And he's passed. I mean, the fact that Waking Up the Neighbors was this big was kind of a fluke. Right. If he didn't get that Robin Hood song, fucking forget about it. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Remember he how di- big that dined, was? He dined out of that What in the sweet shit? Because <laughs> he, he got to team up with Sting and somebody to do. Oh, the, uh, that was for. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Years oh, later. God. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, yeah, yeah. What a fucking abomination. A terrible, terrible song. Oh, so bad. <laughs> all for one all and for all one. for love. That's right. Is that uh, is some kind of Three Musketeers movie or that, something? That's what it was, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Who and were the Musketeers were the... in that movie? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I, I can't, because I can only think of the one that has like, like what, Kiefer Sutherland and Oliver Platt or something. I think that's the one. Is that the one? Was that big enough <laughs> to so. warrant a Sting, Rod Stewart, Brian Adams collaboration? I don't know that it should have warranted a warrant collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> but hey. <laughs> yeah, it, I guess it has to be that one. I mean, Kiefer was big, right? Yeah, Kiefer's he was, still yeah. big. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, look at that. And, and like so Charlie Sheen, small. is he one of the three Musketeers? What a time. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. But there was more going on than just music. There, Of course there was. There was exciting things happening in Canada. Let me, you know what else to tell you about? Uh, let me tell you about the... Like uh, Brian Mulroney. The, Brian Mulroney is still our <laughs> prime minister, enjoying his large chin and uh, rhetoric. Uh, also, baritone. big year uh, for sports. Um, if you lived in Toronto, particularly, oh, wow. yeah, this is the uh, uh, the big the the culmination of a bunch of sweet moves for the Toronto Argonauts trying to get the CFL much bigger than it is. John Candy, Wayne Gretzky, Bruce McNall take yeah. over the the Argonauts. They snag uh, Heisman Trophy winner, hot NFL prospect, prospect Rajiv the Rocket Ishmael. He would have been the one pick. Yeah. He and definitely would have gone first overall to the NFL, but we get him here and he goes to Toronto. Unreal. And, yeah, it, like there's so much hype and so much press going on. John Candy did this like nationwide like little kind of like hey shucks neighborhood kind of tour about the CFL. It was wicked, you know. John oh, Candy is the, he was the best. And uh, and then the fuck and then there you go. This is it. So this is the Grey Cup between. Uh, They're playing uh, in a brand new exciting building. Oh yeah, Sky Dome is all hot yeah. shit. We got to name it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the Grey Cup was played between uh, the Argonauts and the Calgary Stampeders, and the Argonauts win. Uh, it was huge, huge. They played again this year. Yeah, that one they just won this year. I yeah, guess there's only eight teams. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like did they beat Calgary again? They did. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Neat. Yeah. It's <laughs> prescient. Yeah. So that was a huge thing, and there was like a lot of vibe going on, and it worked for like a little bit to raise the awareness and uh, you know uh, image of the CFL. I'm told by a reliable source uh-huh. that the first game was completely sold out. They were putting them in the rafters. Oh yeah. The second home game. Yeah. It was less than half full. Oh wow. So it really it worked but it yeah. just it's still but, well, the CFL. It, did, it was too I mean? it was like, a big flash whoosh you yeah. know and then there was still the yeah. problem there's only eight teams who have right. the same name yeah. and, you know. Uh, but that was an exciting exciting backfield with uh, oh, yeah. Ishmael and Pinball oh yeah, Clemens. Mike Pinball Clemens. Yeah, what absolutely. a delightful man! <laughs> so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. just great. Um, yeah, I went to a, I went to a couple games that year. It was great. You got sucked in. Yeah, I was super sorry. I was a big football fan, so this was like, yeah, here we go. You know, <laughs> let's fucking get this thing running. <laughs> Why anyway, is the field so big? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was pretty exciting. We had some, uh, you know, uh, of course, in Canada here, we're a little bit concerned with the. Uh, Stanley Cup, we enjoy the hockey. That's right, we That's do. That's right, and the well, uh, you know. uh, Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Minnesota North Stars that was for the their, Stanley Cup. Their first Stanley Cup, I think. Was, yeah, yeah, first, yeah, yeah. Mario Lemieux. That's, and, yeah. yeah, Lemieux. Good grief. I said, listen, I've never been the biggest hockey fan, but that fellow was real good at it. He was really My good. goodness. He played with cancer for heaven's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah. Like, who does that? Yeah. It's like took took a break to destroy cancer, came back to the game. Yeah. Still amazing. He played two thirds of the season and won yeah. the scoring trophy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. And it's and again, I, you know, he's a great example. In it in an era of bigger than everything sports figures. Gretzky, Jordan, you know, uh Montana, Rice. Like this is like superstars beyond any other that have come before them. And Lemieux is just so fucking good. Yep. Just so good. Doesn't have like the nothing against Gretzky, but doesn't have quite the flash and explosion and yeah. expectation. He's I mean, people thought he'd be good, but yeah. uh, there was a legitimate question of like, is he better than Gretzky? Absolutely, and if right? He's healthy, who knows? Right? It's a wonderful, yeah, uh, uh, great little barroom debate uh, in Canada yeah, for sure. And it's a nice little metaphor for looking at the tragically hip bursting into the music scene in 1991 oh. amongst juggernauts. You know? Wow, big bands that have got even bigger, like U2's little like swoop switcheroo. Yeah, now we wear leather. That's right. <laughs> you know? 
know? Metallica bursting into the mainstream, and then all the new kids break the fuck out. You know, grunge happens. And here's the hip, this basically the best bar band in the world suddenly elevating themselves. Well, and there's another band I'll mention from Toronto that was sort of bubbling up around that same time, and that's the Band Ragged Ladies, right? Yeah, yeah. And they bubbled up in a completely different way. Sure, so. by getting banned from City Hall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, I forgot yeah. about that. And yeah, and that fucking tape. Yeah. And the tape went around everywhere. And that was like a, a big deal, and this band became huge This deal. band became big stateside, whereas, you know, yeah, yeah. music fans loved the Tragically Hip and yeah. just wanted them to explode and be as revered as they were. Yeah. And, the, yeah, anyway. Yeah, as years go down, yeah, some other records come out. We uh, we will talk about other Canadian bands that found success in America that uh, eluded the tragically hip. So Road Apples. This was this was my first hip album, um, and I didn't know. I think we talked about this, but I I I didn't know what to expect from this album based on the album cover. Oh my god, it's, it's just it's, not. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's in a long line of. Really questionable uh, graphic design mm-hmm. or artwork mm-hmm. choices. Mm-hmm. I love this band. Oh, but yeah. they, you know, Gord says it in one of the songs on uh, Fully Completely. You know, they've got a real bum's eye for clothes. Yeah, and there's something to that, even with the, yeah. the record covers. They sure, just, they just—it's almost like they just—it's it's all don't care. part of the misunderstanding of this band and the, some of the maybe the mystique. I'm I, not sure, but so. yeah, I looked at this and I was like. Cowboy junkies, or, yeah, you know, maybe it's just like a horse what, sort of looking at yeah, you, sort of right. The Scrabble kind of letters yeah. and stuff. I kind of was like, all right, well, and I wasn't in a rush to listen to it. I mean, I was, I, I was aware of, uh, uh, you know, New Orleans is sinking. Right. Maybe I didn't put it together. It was the same group or anything like that. I'm, I'm not. I don't really remember. But I got this uh, on cassette for free. I was working. Wow. Yeah, I was working uh, as my first job ever, uh, working under the table. For uh, Canadian music business magazine, The Record. It's kind of like uh, Billboard. It was just like stats and insider business stuff. Like, you don't want to read it. There's right. just charts at the back, and you right. look at that and go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but written in Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're written in Canadian for everyone to understand. Um, which I, 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 now I marvel at how often I looked at that. Even at, as a 15 year old, I'd be in you know, the record store and they'd have the magazine rack, and I'd look at the, you know, the hot. The charts. Yeah, and be yeah. like, ooh. You wanted to see your. I yeah. want to see my band for the little arrow next to it. Absolutely, cruising up there. Anyway, so I worked. I mostly I just labeled envelopes and would occasionally like go fetch coffee and stuff like that. But I would get uh, free music frequently. What a deal! Out of this job, I've had. I had a, my my first two kind of like jobby things. I did get a lot of free music, which was wicked. Um, so I got this, and I didn't really know what to make of it. And then I started listening to it, and it just it's got this, just such a moxie about it there's there's this intense confidence but the little bit of attitude and a little bit of playfulness it was just it's immediately captivating so a couple questions yeah question number one sure when was this that you got it was it around the time it was released? oh totally or? yeah, okay. yeah. This oh, wow. is, like okay. it's a new release i'm you know i within the first month and your familiarity you said you knew new orleans to sing yeah but you, you weren't really familiar no so this sort of this is the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Right. That's very good. This cool. is a very good first record. So it was a, a mystery box. A yeah, mystery box. Total album. mystery box. Uh, you know, you, I kind of knew the name. And I imagine I had a few to pick from, right? Like, I, I could only take a few. I couldn't just, like, fill this box, you know, with everything. I could grab a couple of things. So, you're like, who knows what I almost took, you know? 
John right. Mellencamp or something. You know? <laughs> I was a big John Mellencamp guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lonesome Jubilee, 87. But yeah, well, everything. I'd grown out of it. Mellencamp once the 90s begin, where, that's you right. know, like, you got to check the fuck out. Yeah, that's it's right. not going to be any good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, okay, yeah. so when we were talking before the tape rolled, you had a funny story about the um, the title of this record. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were working on an album title, and everything that they gave to the label, the label rejected, because they were like, this is all just too inside jokey. Yeah, they had this one no called Saskadelphia or something yeah. like that. was like, like the working title. Yeah, and they're all like, you can't do this. You can't name it this dumb inside joke. And they're like, <laughs> oh, fine. And then so they get a little clever, and they throw road apples at them. And as these executives in California, they don't know what a fucking... <laughs> cow pie in the middle of the road it's called no road oh, oh cool like songs you wrote on the road great sign it <laughs> oh man they and like and the... there's this horse right on the fucking cover it's winking just... knowingly at you right <laughs> and horse is like that's just a good dump <laughs> put this on your turn table <laughs> yeah i said turd table yeah yeah turd table um amazing and that's again this is just, you know you're <laughs> I, I love it that a band is, you know, fighting for uh, getting their music out there and they have a moment to capitalize on a fucking huge single and a really successful debut album. And they're like, let's get silly with this fucking name. <laughs> Especially when you dig into this record and yeah. see that it's it's not just a shitty follow up. No, no. This it's is a, like a it great is a record. Enormous leap. I feel like all music has it as a four-star record, and I'll get better at uh, remembering these as I go yeah, along. Yeah, sure. Um, just to give you a bit of background on the recording of it as well. Yeah, it please. Was produced again by Don Smith. Yeah. And I think in the previous episode, we both were scratching our heads about Don Smith. Yeah. Um, turns out he was a really capable engineer. Sure. Working with, you know, you name it kind of artists. He, he, he worked with, fuck, I don't have my sheet in front of me, but he worked <laughs> with, uh, like, Everybody, Springsteen, yeah. R.E.M., Elton John. Yeah. Um, and as a producer, he worked with uh, a lot of great bands as well. Once he started working with the Tragically Hip, though, he became very Canada-focused. He worked with 5440, oh, wow. Lowest of the Low, ah. and um, <laughs> I want to say Haywire just to fuck with you, but <laughs> 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 their smash hit follow-up <laughs> to Dance Desire. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he was a capable guy, and they they really did like what they got from him. They worked um, on the floor when yeah. they recorded it, so basically the five of them in a room playing like it was live. Amazing. And yeah, he would take uh, you know vocal takes and merge them together and do cool stuff like that. Yeah. But they really liked that, and um, it turned out turned out to sound pretty fucking good. You can tell this is a band playing in a room. It really has that feeling. There's a, a, an authenticity, a rawness. And I think this is, a, you know, uh, there was a push into some technology with, with rock and heavier music at this time, you know, with, with what's going on in 1991. But most of it was the people yearning for something that sounded a little less produced. Uh, I don't mean that in the way of like, it just sounds like shit, but it just less glossiness where everyone was just sick of that and that's why things raw like nirvana you know we're, we're punching Absolutely. through it's like we need to i want to feel this band i want to feel like they're in the fucking room with me i mean two of, like, the, the, two of the biggest bands we just named metallica and u2 mm-hmm. arguably you know well not with u2 because they came up with zeropa after right. that but yeah, i was gonna yeah. say arguably their most like produced records right yes. like i mean yeah really glossy and really slick sounding and, totally um 
for as many people as bought the records and loved them, there were others that thumbed their noses at it, right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So here you got this band that has uh, blazed a trail playing in bars, mm-hmm. putting out a record that sounds like they're playing in a bar yeah. on your turntable. Yeah. Very cool. And the, again, we were just talking about it a little bit, but the leap that happens, and I mean, up to here is a fucking great record. Yep. Fucking great record. But there's a big jump that goes on right here uh, that's fairly remarkable, for considering how little time has passed, too. Yeah, because what is it? It's uh, 87 is the EP, Yeah. 89, and we're at 91 now. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, in five years, yeah, these guys have went from having a saxophone player in the band, right. you know, or six years, yeah, to just sounding like the tightest, yeah, you know, uh, most cocky motherfucking yeah. bar band there yeah. that you can imagine. Absolutely, riffs out the ass. Oh boy, yeah, and it's and it's not just like we made a really good blues rock record. That's like, right. It's it's there. Uh, clearly, they've listened to it and, and studied it, and they have played it. But the the evolution that's going on is pretty staggering. Yeah, I would agree. And and, the, and a completely unique sound comes bubbling out of it, which is just phenomenal. Um, well, shall we go through the tracks? Let's do it. Okay. So, Little Bones. Okay. Track one. Yeah. That's a hell of a track. Yeah. Um, we will, I imagine, as we have a little bit talked about it, we will continue to how fucking good they are at album openers. And that's a big deal, man. That is a big deal having a kick-ass opener. Setting the pace, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Little Bones. Now, this is, and for me, like, this is, like, my first, like, I'm really paying attention. So to this band, this, you take this cassette home. Yeah, you know New Orleans is singing. You yeah, throw it in. Yeah, and you get this cool song, and it just to this day, it's I have a, such a fondness for it and a, a, a romanticism about it because it did really capture me. Where I was like, "What's going on here?" Because that riff is so good when the whole fucking band drops in. There's so much power and grind, and there's a back end going that's really kicking that thing along, and then Gord rolling in. And Get so sticky down there. You better butter your cucumber. What the Man, hell? What is he talking about? That's, I mean, I listen to the whole so song. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Little bones. What are we, what's happening here? But I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I know it is fucking cool. I feel like this is the beginning of the Gordowning myth, too, yes. right? Oh, yeah. It's a song like this where you get, like, what the hell is this song about? Yeah. Um, you were telling me about um, Cab Driver, New York Cab Driver. Yeah. Uh, in terms of where the song he, came he, well, he's, well, he just warmed it. He was eating chicken in the back of a cab, and he's like, you know. And uh, the cab driver says. Yeah, it says the line. <laughs> <laughs> Eat that chicken slow. It's full of all those little bones. But Gord uh, was reading a book at that time. Yep. Timothy uh, Finley. Right, and reading Timothy Finley novel, which, and there's a cat in the book called Little Bones. Yeah. And he was like, oh, neat. That all fits together. Let's write a song. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and that's, it, to make that, where that's where your connection goes, we're like, yep, this is going to be the chorus. It's, yeah, uh, you just—it's a sign. Man, it makes you know? it makes no sense. And then you've got two fifty for an for an eyeball and a yep. buck and a half for an ear. After, yep. oh, after yeah. the previous verse, he's talking about booze and beer. Like, oh man, just um, really unusual. Question for you? Yes. Better lead off, blow high dough or oh. little bones? Mm, I gotta go with the little bones. Yeah, I think because so it's my it's my it was my lead off to my you know lifetime of listening to this band <laughs> yeah that's is like this that song sold me enough and i'm like i'm in yeah you know like i probably heard blow high dough on the radio you know when you know 13 or whatever old me was just like rock song didn't really pay attention yep. i mean now i fuck obviously i love it but you know this was the little bones was the hooked me hard hard and then you know just the way the album flows through is pretty fucking impressive so yeah, I think this is, 
I, if I, uh, there, I know we're going to talk about making, you know, uh, our picks on songs and stuff like that. This is <laughs> a huge luck. contention for me. Like, I couldn't ever, if I was going to introduce somebody to this band, this song would be an enormous contention for, for for what I would play for them. Yeah, I would say uh, this is a a pretty good introductory song to yeah. what this band is all about. Um, they're so good at this. They're just yeah. so good at this. Yeah. All right, so we go from there, we go to Twist My Arm. Yeah, yeah, which is, oh, man, what a one-two punch. One of my favorite Gord Downey introductions of all time, I have it on a bootleg somewhere, is him saying this. I just think it's amazing. A neo-Nazi came to my house. He wanted to buy some pot. About a week later, he came back. His hair was a little shaggier, and he wanted more pot. (laughs) Twist My Arm. Beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Um, this song is really cool. Well, and you're yeah. right. One, two. It's, yeah. You know. And you ne- you almost need something this impressive to follow Little Bones. Cause, so you can get crippled by a huge opener that's so good. Because then what else do you want to listen to? Where to go? You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to rewind that one again. Yeah. And this song slides in with such a fucking dynamite groove. It doesn't try to, you know, it doesn't trying to push little bones out of the way just got this perfect little flow where we get this that comes in and cracks you in the jaw and then this like lower end groove comes out of the next track and it just fucking captivating and again it's totally mysterious and totally cool and he's talking about shit and you're like what the fuck is he talking about god i want to know what the secret is please tell me gord tell me the fucking secret and then you get this notebook with all these little like cab driver references yeah 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 which is just fucking wild twist my (laughs) arm what a fucking great what what dynamite yeah and so this is this record takes this bar band idea that they've really nailed perfectly on up to here, but is it, this is this beautiful uh, elevation and evolution of that idea, and it's the last time they'll sound like this. There's elements of yep. this band of this sound that will remain with them because they have a very signature vibe. Yeah, but this is their like we nailed this, we did it perfectly, and we're gonna now move on. Uh, as the next couple of records will really push them in very different directions, but this is this is the like I, I think you when you nail it you gotta you, then you go. It's like well something else now please. This yeah this is absolutely the perfection of what they've been working on yeah. since 1984. 100 percent. Yeah. Um, the uh, this, this track list goes along. This and this is again the uh, the lyrics are rolling with them and Gord's vibe and what how he's singing and what he's talking about are all changing and there's a lot of literary references throughout this record but not in a gross way. 
Like they are in a way of like this. There's a, dog, a cat named Little Bones, you know. Right. And then we get into our next song, Cordelia, which oh, obviously man. has King Lear references. Well, I don't know. If obviously, not everyone fucking knows King Lear. Well, I don't know. Gordani <clears throat> seems to think so. He's got a he's got a dynamite quote where somebody oh, asks him. Somebody says, um, "Cordelia, what's it about? You got to tell me." <laughs> and he says, "Cordelia was used as a metaphor. I don't know. Read King Lear." <laughs> <laughs> from a bridge just to see how far down it really is rubbing a bank jumping on a train old antiques a man alone can entertain takes all your power prove that you don't care I'm not Cordelia I'm not Yeah! Many uh, hip songs and many of Gord's lyrics are about a bunch of things, not one thing. I'm just going to write a song about sure. love. He'll write a song about different types of it. Absolutely. Or love and something else, you know? It's not just we're going to write a little jingle and that's going to be it. Yeah. Um, so Cordelia does have this uh, beautiful metaphor to the play. Uh, and, you know, the chorus, I think, is the closest thing to it. It's right there. It takes all your power to prove that you don't care, which is get the fuck out. That's really good. That's really good. Because um, Lear is very neglectful and horrible right. to his, his three daughters. Um, uh, but the rest of it is just, uh, a lot of it is just, uh, uh, the hopelessness of struggle <laughs> in some ways or being pitted in these impossible situations. And there's so many lines from this song that I don't even know what they mean to me. They just, they strike some kind of insane vibe in my mind, particularly when I was a young man and I had, you know, dark visions of things and I was an angry fellow into getting into metal and punk rock. And so a lot of this stuff really did kind of resonate with me because it is so dark you know, uh, a thief blinded on the job as a steal for life is just, are you fucking kidding me? How'd you, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's intense stuff, man. That, that is really, really intense. And so. it's so, it, 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 it's coupled with this crunchiness though as well. Like it's still really crunchy. You get to, you know, um, it takes all your power to prove that you don't care. I'm not credited. I will not be there. Yeah. And it's, you know, it just, this band is firing on. All cylinders. Yeah. Only three tracks in. Oh yeah, and there's a and this is a, a Lear reference song, but it's got some Macbeth in there for yeah, you too, which yeah. is great. I mean, that's if there's anything that really I mean, he nails that sort of thing of the the, the of youthful frustration, yeah, and rage where you bring on uh, some of it, you know, and you want to challenge it with because the line being treading the board, screaming out Macbeth just to see how much bad luck you really get. That's right. Like, fuck. Because that's the reference to you shouldn't say yeah, Macbeth if, totally. you're, yeah. if you're in the play, right? If you're in the, uh, well, yeah, if you're in the play, but if you're in any theater space, you're not really supposed to. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. People will fucking flip out, man. That's why my it's career is Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah. Can't say it. No so good. where are you on this track as far as uh, um, you know, taking it home, put it in your pocket? Because for me, this is on my shortlist for sure. Yeah, this, well, I mean, it's hard with this record, um, and it's particularly hard with the first four songs. Okay. 
um, because there is such a breadth to what is going on lyrically, um, although there is a, a, a steady stream of darkness in this album, which is a pretty... I don't know. It's kind of a fun rock record, isn't it? Like I like driving to this album, yeah. but it is a dark album. Lyrically and thematically, it is dark. I, oh, uh, listening to this record, it always felt weird to you know be having it cranked in the car mm-hmm. as like a eighteen year old or seventeen year old mm-hmm. and screaming out lyrics, yeah, like Macbeth or yeah, uh, unfurled or right. you know just. Like what the fuck am I even talking about? I mean, <laughs> I need a dictionary to listen to this record sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Know? Very strange. Um, so I, to, before I answer your question, I yeah. think we absolutely have to move into track four. All right, which is the luxury, because yes, there's a huge. When a gun's to my head, it probably comes down to Cordelia and the luxury. Okay, as my my moments on this album, the, the songs that I probably had the most personal time with over my life, and the luxury I... is monster i like that you're putting your balls on the table here yeah the luxury is not a song i don't think a lot of people would choose not because it's not great yeah but it's just not sort of part of the pantheon right no no it's a slower creepy dark song it's all about that bass riff yeah and it's just it's mesmerizing it's a little tricky sound there's something creepy and like uh, you know and dark about the the whole tone of this oh shit yeah lyrics though get them Boy, there's some stuff in this, you know. Zoo lion starts to scream child. Little does a hump like a long smoothed out. Man of color winds so tenderness. She hated it here or she couldn't care less. Prison yard stairs and flirted Tattoos, cannibals are saving all the bones for soup. Eating with my fingers and sucking house shells. My parasite don't deserve no better than this. Ha ha ha. The Um, and again, it's dark. It's dark, 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 dark. And there's a lot of, um, I don't know, a feeling of, uh, of not deserving any kind of happiness to bring you out of the darkness, you know? And do you think this is just a song about, I mean, hey, it, it, this is a tough question to ask anybody, but do you, do you think this is just a song about being on the road and like just being tired at this point like they've toured now i think so i mean you can put uh, what's so good about his lyricism is how much you can apply it to something else in your life or if you just want to not even apply it to yourself just listen to it as something almost cinematic or um you know like a, a strange fable you're being told you know like there's so much you can get out of prison yard stairs and flirtily tattoos and cannibals are saving all their bones for soup that is just <laughs> something else and I, you know and you think about a band on the road in prison yard stairs like just going to a cold audience i mean after you've been on the road for hours and hours and hours sweating in a van with your buddies that you're starting to be like That's are right. you my buddies <laughs> this is what's going on here and then to, f- to roll out your 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 heart and soul into some people who are just staring at you over their beer you know indifferent and make no That's mistake ins- they're probably still relatively low-key touring right 
But sure, they're yeah, not living absolutely. in the lap of luxury. Once they here. get out of you know uh, a comfort zone of a few places and throughout Ontario and a couple other provinces, like right. yeah, there's going to be some hard sells in, in 1991. Fucking big time. Right. So thumb firmly in cheek when they are saying, or thumb, mm. tongue firmly in cheek thumb when they are saying. Thumb in my cheek. <laughs> when they're saying the luxury. Right. Is oh, incredibly. 100%. And, well, the luxury of these, of the the uh, 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 golden rim motor in, you know. <laughs> yeah. Soft water and a color TV. My God. Yeah. Yeah. The luxury. Uh, <laughs> lovely. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, this is uh, this is the the big indie movie of the album. This yeah, is the the dark that. horse. It's got this like you know, if it was a movie, it'd probably have some cameo from John Lurie in it or something. You know, like <laughs> it'd be really <laughs> probably in black and white and you know some uh, questionable material. This it's is like, the first song too that I feel like we're hearing Gord um, sing like uh, yeah. in in like a in like a toned down way. He's yeah. not he's not wailing like he's right. not rock and rolling he no, is no. it starts out where he is it's really beautiful absolutely right? and it's not just like because it's a bass driven song and the guitar line is sort of more textured than anything so you really uh, he has to sell a melody here that doesn't uh that doesn't combat with the bass line but also doesn't follow it you know so it's a really it's a complicated little thing to do to have it work effectively you have to have a great voice you have to have a good sense of melody yeah. and killer lyrics and he's got it all on this track so i'm going to come back to you when we're done with the rest of the tracks on this record and okay. see if it's if, it, if this is the one you take if with this you. is the, yeah this but, and cordelia sure sounds like it right now. just murder me maybe maybe i'm playing my hand a bit but i can't help it yeah. i get excited when and I'm again about just to song. remind everybody we will um at the end of this we'll we'll publish these playlists that's right of our of our songs and that's you right. can have a nice little sampler of yeah you know a track per album kind of absolutely thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. cool two tracks per album even. two tracks per yeah, album. sometimes yes. it'll be only one because we might agree we'll see i'm excited i can't i can't wait to go through all the albums to see what your pick is for each one it's all very, right from very he- cool from here we get our first sort of um gosh what do we call it? we need a name for these tracks yeah it's not insulting no but they're they're there on um up to here as well and we talked yep. about them there's two of them mm-hmm. and if I'll he, believe in you, or I'll be leaving you tonight. That's See, right. Um, I feel like is the, and she didn't know. Right. I feel like I'll believe in you is the best like example one of this. Like, yeah. Listen, it's a great song. It's got a totally. clever little like fun wordplay thing yep. in it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fine little rocker. So I don't want to. I don't want to spend too There's much time on this. Think and we'll, about. And we'll 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 come up with a term for this, or yeah. maybe if you have one, you can send it to yeah, us. Yeah. But um, I will but say yeah. I will say this, uh, from a Canadiana perspective this song um contains references to the the french language law mm. uh bill that mm-hmm. went, went forth um I, I think it was ontario wide might have been canada wide yeah but sault st marie the city of sault st marie mm-hmm. decided not to comply with this rule and would not put french language with their other signs right and so there are there are very direct references. You know, when we've been talking with the previous four songs about how sort of um, slanted everything is and you, and you can't figure out where things come from. This mm-hmm. is very direct. And yeah. Like, smartest trees, smartest trees, Sault Ste. Marie, Victoria's mother tongue. Yeah. Um, passing laws just become, uh, passing laws just because ignoring the sights of the English unsung. <laughs> Covered in suede I'm eating ever since I rode 
I don't have much else to say about that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. But than, that's it. But know, it, listen, it's uh, is it does it seem lesser than the our previous four? One hundred percent. Do I ever skip it? Fuck no, I don't. No, I don't either. No, it's a great little rocker. It's and I, sometimes you just need that a great fucking rock song. And so they just throw those in there. It's like don't worry about it. You know, they have some message and you know. Uh, some commentary in there, but it, you can just have a beer and not think about it too. All right, all right. Um, Track number six. Right. Does your mother tell you things long, long when I'm gone? Who you talking to? She telling you I'm gone. It's a great mistake. Wide awake Drive-ins rain down Weatherman With fingers in the sky Pokes it out Pulls it in Don't know Why Same mistake It's been a long time running It's been a long time coming um, This is definitely on my short list you, Well, yes, this, is a, this song is almost bigger than... or. Almost bigger than songs. It's uh, they have a couple that are like so much of the personality and the personal experience that everyone has with this band. Like yeah. there are a few songs that are just like more than just like I love that song. It's like don't, but I, you you don't even need to say it. You know, it's like yep. agree uh, because they have such a huge emotional resonance and, uh, and uh, presence about them. And long time running is one hundred percent. I think the first real moment of this that they have something that's I think so fully captures an energy for people, whatever it's, it's sadness or oh, this song is it, it evokes yeah, sadness. it really just rings it out of you. Yeah, and it's the first time they nail this, which they will do time and time again in their yeah. career. But this is the first like because up to here doesn't have a track like this. No, not a, not at all. Uh, I mean, you definitely get hooked in with 38 years old. Oh yeah, yeah, but it you know it's got the fucking snare drop boom yeah. here we go <laughs> <laughs> but this is um this is a i mean uh, again if we keep with the cinematic references mm-hmm. this is like a tearjerker almost, oh yeah you know? like, oh yeah this is but like a legit one not like yeah a, not like a cheesy you know no, no manipulating that's right yeah, yeah i guess i guess tearjerker does have that sort of concept right. Right. and there's some good tearjerkers out there yeah hey, you know i know a few yeah um, um yeah i think for me as well i think that i got back into this song because of the recently released documentary. Right. And, you know, the trailers for it. Mm-hmm. And knowing now that, you know, Gord passed away, this is a even even more sentimental. And mm-hmm. this was sentimental to begin with because this was a, one of the first songs I ever, you know, in band form or whatever, played to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, while we performed the song, I was looking at my girlfriend at the time, you know? Right. And when we would jam around a campfire, 
you know, we would all come in on the chorus. And right. Yeah, you know, I've got micro cassette recordings of this oh, somewhere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to try and track those down. Yeah, that's kind cool. of fun. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Terrible it sounded. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we loved this song. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it's a, yeah, again, it's a moment kind of song. It's, it's that thing that brings people together, listeners together, fans together, just people in general. It just has the, you know, you, Great bands have those special moments, those perfect songs. And this isn't like a hit song either. This isn't yeah. a single. Maybe it's a single, but I don't recall it anymore. But it's it's t- this country's tough to measure singles. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. DJs just play with them. Yeah, and so, so it's, so you know, it's it's uh, it's remarkable for that too. That this isn't a big hit from this record. And it wasn't a hit at the time, but we all were like, that's the track. That's know? exactly, yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty special. And uh, th- this album doesn't have a ton of Canadian references, but it was one I was telling you about that I thought was, thought was really cool in this track. Oh, shit. It's super neato. Because um, obviously this is Canada's band, and it's not like the whole fucking albums after this point are like littered with Canadian references. They're just here and there, yep. you know, but they're always really interesting, or sometimes they're super-duper sly. And it took me a long time to catch into what he was talking about when he says, drop a caribou, I'll tell on you. And I was like, I been, for years I just let it go. I'm like, I don't know what Gord's talking about. Me as well, yeah. He just killed a caribou. Until you told me. Yeah. And then it, it just the, the bells go off, the, the light bulb goes off above the head, and it's like the expression, of course, is uh, that everyone would be familiar with is dropping a dime on somebody. It's when you drop a dime in the payphone, you call the cops. But this is 1991, and a telephone booth costs 25 cents to make a phone call if you can rat somebody out. And what do you throw in there? Canadian Quarter, which has a nice caribou on the back. That is you drop a caribou. That is so phenomenally cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I don't know if it's a thing anyone says or if he was trying to get something going. <laughs> <laughs> the, band, the band's all like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Trust me, guys. Yeah, trust, trust me. me. Drop a caribou. <laughs> We're going to put on all the shirts. I can see the t-shirts now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next track is one of the most challenging vocals, mm-hmm. you know, on this on this record. And I think. I think they only played this song a handful of times, even live. I've got a live version of it, and um, Gord has to sing it in a really different way live mm-hmm. to make it work. And the song is "Bring It All Back." Yeah. Um, maybe my favorite first couple lines of a tragic lip song. It's ever. remarkable. I just think what a yeah. what a what a beautiful concept to think mm-hmm. that something you cherish or something you love, you could, you know. Um, I've been carving you to see what form you take. You hadn't in every just wanted to free your shade, bringing it down. Remarkable song and wonderful dynamics to it too. It's got wonderful builds and releases where it just really carries you along for quite a nice little rock ride. And that's where, like, it is different from you know when you get something like "Born in the Water," which is a great song, but it's just a little like okay. But this this is like where you add that extra bit of fervor and intent, you know, where there's something um, you know below the surface going on a bit more than 
I don't know. I don't want to shit on that song. It's a great song, but it is a great song. But are, you know what? There are there are there's always about two per record almost <laughs> for, for a while here. An interesting factoid that I didn't mention yeah. when we were talking about Bring It All Back. Yeah. They only played that song live once. Get the fuck out. Yep. Really? Yeah. So to think really? to think of I mean, you've written songs. Yeah. And you know how hard it is. Oh yeah. And you craft a song yeah. and it makes the cut to get on a record. Yeah. And then you only play it live one time. Wow, that's pretty far out. So they must have felt. I don't maybe want to say well, you know, but listen, maybe they didn't. Some things sound great on an album. You know, when you listen to it at home, you're not doing anything. But some things don't quite work tempo wise live. Fair enough. Can't really dance to it. Can't just. It's Where not, do we put it in the set? Right. Where are we at next? Where, what's next? Three pistols. Okay. Our first four tracks. Yeah. We we agree major ass yeah and then we slow it down a bit yeah know, for, for sure tracks. sure and hey listen man side two tough sell you know it's is not it, always great is this first track of side two no uh uh bring it all back is that's so weird well because long time running is sure. the perfect capper to a side Fair. man yeah, Fair. yeah. I, th- I think you sequence it different then because man three pistols yeah wow uh, okay yeah that's like you can easily throw three pistols into your kick off an album absolutely it's a beast all right kick-ass intro yeah. to that song yeah. it's huge yeah yeah um and this song is yeah it's a remarkable rock song because it delivers on a lot of different levels for me as a listener it satisfies a whole bunch of shit all right level one level one cool guitar riff very cool. gotta have a cool guitar riff and it's yeah. a really cool guitar riff kicks along great bass uh lyrics super interesting really Absolutely. cool lots to think about this dabbling of this tom thompson myth uh famous it, canadian painter yes disappeared inspiration for the group of seven yep. yeah it's really cool shit going on but my favorite thing about this song weird vocal backing vocal oh god yeah yeah it's super odd yeah and it's almost like it's, uh, I, I still when i listen to this song i'm just like that is a like a weird tone it's but it's captivating yeah it's such a phenomenal earworm uh, and, and it really does set the stage for what Paul Langlois goes on to do, you know, album after album. Totally. After this. Like, he, he works with Gord so well. So well. Like, it's such a, like, I, I love it when uh, uh, somebody else in the band has a unique voice and they know how to spike it in to really lift a band. You know, R.E.M. is uh, uh, rich with that as well. It's like, it's well like immediately, yeah, yeah, immediately uh, identifiable. Even if you don't hear the lead vocal, like you hear that backing vocal, you know who that is. Yeah, you know, and it just it has this presence to it, and it just like fucking the chorus of this song is so unbelievably catchy. It is 
fucking remarkable. <laughs> and and it, it's a chorus, but unlike a lot of chorus, it there's there's change that yeah. takes place, right? Like, there's oh yeah, a, there's a narrative going on here that I don't really know what's about. Like, I mean. Again, presumably people are dying. Yeah, yeah, presumably. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I, I'm not 100 percent sure why they're dying. Yeah, yeah. You know, other than pistols. Yeah, there are three of them. <laughs> three of them. My God. Um, very different song. Yeah. Again, maybe maybe this is answers my sequencing question even because if they had opened with three pistols on side B and then went to um, bring it all back and then this song mm-hmm. that might have might have been a little bit too lully almost. Yeah, you sure. Know? Um, again, to to use your phrase, I turn this song up loud when it plays. I don't skip it. Yeah, no. Um. But it's very, very different. It's super different. Um, How is it different? I, well, it's because you know what? Uh, it's different because it's it. Ah, it's, it's hard, hard to, right? Hard yeah. to phrase. Okay, so because it is such a, it is a groove based song, but it's a slow kind of grinding nailed, groove. You nailed it with that. Is right? groove based? Yeah, Absolutely. and it almost feels like this should be the skippable track at this point. Yep. You just had your fucking dynamite run with three pistols. You know, you're fucking all fired up, and then this slower kind of clunk, not clunky, but just like chugging along. Yeah. Groove comes in, you're like, well, it's probably going to be some boring-ass blues rock. Right. Right? And it's not. No. no. It has these really sharp lyrics, and it's this song that, like, kind of tricks you into enjoying it, you know? Like, it just steals you along for the ride, and then you're, like, look, then you're starting to turn your stereo up. Um, and again, that's why this band is so good at what they're doing at this point, because they're taking this sort of standard bar band blues influenced rock thing and elevating it and making it their own because it doesn't sound like anybody else, but it starts, you know, like, is this some fucking blues song? My couple of white fellas, you know, uh, <laughs> and it is, but and it is, but it isn't too, because they put their mark on it, which is really important and hard they to fucking do. do, man, hard to do. Now, is this one... This is the next uh, Born in the Water. Yeah. I'll be leaving you. Listen, it's great. It is. Really good little rock song. But if it's not on the record, I don't miss it. No. 
I, I mean, suppose. As, as strange as that sounds. If I was at a bar or a venue, a smaller venue, watching the hip, and they fucking played on the verge, and they were on the verge too dumb for words, my fucking hands in the fucking air, yeah. sweating and bouncing all over the place, because it, it's a, just a great fucking rock song. Now, is it as complicated lyrically or have as many themes going on as the rest of the brilliant songs in this fucking almost perfect record? No, but it's a fucking great rocker. It's still and sometimes there. It, I, I imagine he was a little like, I don't want to think so hard right now. I just want to yeah. write a cool rock song. Yep. Like, let's settle down. I just wrote 11 of 12 really gut-wrenching things, so this one is just for fucking well, rocking, fun, man. Yeah. I'll tell you, as I, I saw this <laughs> band a lot live. Yeah. And... Later on, in in the live, you know, the live history of seeing this band, yeah. this was one of those songs you almost look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't part of the live set very often, and when you saw it, you almost felt like, oh, they're going deep, oh, cut, yeah, yeah. deep cut tonight. <laughs> this is great, you know. So, uh, you know, I'll be okay if I don't hear them play New Orleans to sink it tonight. Right, right. Because I've seen that every concert. Right, right. Which is great when you get to see something different. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, that's on that's that's on Verge. It's worth your time. It is the it's the simple rock of this. But yep. You know, there you go. Fiddler's Green is our next track. Oh man. Yeah. Um, we we're talking about emotion earlier with long time really running. intense emotion. They didn't play this song live until like two thousand eight or some craziness. Serious. Yeah. Too much. Why would you? Why would you want to go revisit? You're playing a show, enjoying your life, and connecting with your fans to to dive into this memory. Now, this is to 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 dig in on the memory that you're talking about. Yeah, this is um, about Gord's. Is it his nephew? Yeah, and was born with some sort of heart condition. Heart condition. Yeah, and, and uh, then passed away. He as passed a, away. Very as a young. youngster. Yeah. Christ, all you need to know is that. Yeah, and then and, the I, could lyri- play, and I could then play you Spoonman right now, and you'd weep if I told you it was yeah, about yeah, that. You yeah, know? yeah. But <laughs> so, now, and I, I didn't know that story for the, a bunch of years, being a huge fan of this song and, and feeling the sorrow in it. I'm like, 
oh, and then I found out. And then once you know that, just that, that it's you, the lyrics just crystallize. And I'm like, oh, my God. I had no idea until you told me. Oh, so that's fuck. So that's like a month ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just, I knew it was sad. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's you know, terrible. It's so specific. His tiny knotted heart. Well, I guess it never worked too good. Like, yeah. Holy oh, Christ. Oh, man you know, alive. Like, yeah, yeah. I used to September sing this song for a girl I know. It's Mother's Day. Oh shit! You know, that's I used to sing this song to my first daughter at bedtime mm-hmm. um, because she was born on September seventeenth. Oh, wow! Oh, so wild. yeah, so yeah. for my wife that was wonderful. You know, it was her Mother's Day, yeah. right? She became yeah. a mother on, on September seventeenth. Yeah, and I was made aware of that by my friend David, and uh, uh, when Riley was born, I was just like, "Damn, how did I miss that?" Yeah. But I guess I was, you know, a little caught up in the whole yeah, yeah. Baby, baby coming out of my wife. Yeah, thing. it's a bit of a moment. <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, this song is, I don't know that I've seen them play this song. I've, that yeah, I, uh, you know, I've seen, I watched it on a clip on YouTube. I found a clip of them doing it and it's intense. Yeah. Yeah. This would be a great one. I would love to, if, if history was different, I'd love to see them do this song. You know, acoustic. I'd love to see mm. just Rob Baker and, and Gord sit down and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe brushes for the drums. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just really, um, you know, almost use like a guitar knock. Yeah. You know, like, uh, boy, oh boy. Um, lyrically, it, it's right there for you, but there are some curveballs in there. He talks to Falstaff again, a yeah. Shakespearean reference. Yep. Um, Balloons are filled with rain. There, there are some incredible visuals in mm-hmm. this song on an, on, a, on an album that is jam packed with visual. Yeah. This song, I think, takes the cake. Yeah. Um, and then when you get that extra information, you're sort of knocked on your ass with yeah. what they do with this track. So, kudos, tragically hip. Kudos. Yeah. Like, uh, there, there are bands out there that wish they could have just this one in their backpack. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and you guys have it on a on a record with eleven other really great songs. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to our last track, last of the unplucked gems, which on its face almost feels like an outro track, but it's a lot more than that, I think. Um, it's Ooh, a to- I know what you mean. Ooh. Yeah, well, it's just got this, like, it fades in, right? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, so you're just, like, drifting into this jam almost, right? And it's got a completely different tone than anything else on this record. Big time.
it's really kind of spacey. If Gord were to come in with a spoken word vocal, yeah, it wouldn't be out of place. Right. But he doesn't. No. He comes in with a really strong, really strong vocal melody mm-hmm. on a song that doesn't have a hummable, like you, you like yeah. you said, it is, it's groove based. Yeah. There is no, you know, hot lick here to, no, to no. hum along to. Yeah. But there's a but there's a melody, and yeah, for me, it's a soundscape with a melody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And for me, this is really setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's just like this is that we're gonna fade into this song. You just like it. It's almost like you walk into a room and it's happening. You know, and it's like, oh, sorry, this is what's next. <laughs> totally, totally. You know, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> It's still a very listenable song. It's not just like a, okay, see you later, you know. Absolutely. (laughs) It's really listenable. It's this little, like, glimpse into, uh, we are done with this. Like, I hope you had a really good time here, but we are moving on now. Put down your beer and pick up your weed, and we're about to to take you somewhere else. And, yeah, I think it's a perfect way to close this album. And, I guess, a perfect way to close the podcast. Oh, shit. Yeah, but I do... I made a promise to the listeners uh-huh. that I would revisit something. That's right. What are you putting in your back pocket? Well, Little Bones is the uh, the track that hooked me and started this like deep love with this band, and it's a song I go back to um, endlessly. Cordelia um, challenged me as a listener to think about the lyrics and the the metaphors and imagery being presented, but there's nothing that really compares to my emotional. Uh, connection to the luxury and how much it stands out on this. And this is like if I really wanted to, if I wanted to wow somebody with a you know a, a band that I love, you know, and hear a track from them, I would play them this. Oh, that's a that's a really great bar. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I 100% agree with you where where Cordelia is concerned. I mm-hmm. think that was the first rock and roll song I really heard. Um, that I could see as well as hear, like it, it, it really was strong. There, there are some strong um, lyrical um, imagery mm-hmm. in, in that song, and it really made me fall in love with Gord Downey. That song, yeah. Um, I love Bring It All Back. Uh, I love you know the idea of of carving from ivory. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I also truly, truly, truly love Fiddler's Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in light of the new information you presented. Yeah. But I think I have to go with um long time running. Yeah. Again, I think I'm influenced probably by the documentary and things right now, but no. <laughs> I uh, I it's think it's tough if, to take it if out. If we of did context. this podcast 5 years ago, you would still probably pick yeah, that song. Yeah. It's it's just a great great song yeah. and I think it'll be fun to have both of those tracks on this playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yeah. we're going to have to sequence this too, you know. Yeah, right. Oh, we're trying to make yeah. yeah, do you are you Spotify Apple Music? What's your thing? I use Apple Music. Well, you know that's fine because I yeah. use Spotify. Oh, put okay, the playlist cool. up on both for oh our listeners who have one or the other. Everybody, look who's happy. who's lucky the listeners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. They sure are. Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks. You've been kind to us. Now mm-hmm. clean up your shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> See you next time. Fully and completely is a modern superior podcast. You can find out more information about the show at www.fullyandcompletely.ca. You can tweet us at at, at. fullypodcast. Mm. And, of course, you can find uh, more information about our show and many other fantastic shows at www. 
www.modernsuperior.com. <laughs> I came in there for that. That's awesome. <laughs>